singing tonight. Don't you just love praising the Lord? He put a new song in our heart, even praise unto God. It's a good thing, the Bible says, it's a good thing to give praise to the Lord. We're going to be tonight in, we're going to begin, we're going to look at a lot of verses. We're going to begin, though, in 2 Timothy chapter 3. sporting a new Bible tonight. Doesn't it look like a massive Bible? It's an old Bible that got rebound. About six of them I've had rebound. The reason I'm using it is because I was down in the office studying and enjoying a cup of coffee. And I hit my cup of coffee and my Bible took a direct hit. It's sad, isn't it? It just grieves me to talk about it. What didn't get on my Bible got on my computer, but I saved my computer. It's okay. Be at, be at peace. It's okay. But I didn't know whether to blame the devil. I think it was a demonic attack or blame or praise God for the fiery trial <laughs> or confess my own clumsiness. But whatever the case might be, God brought me through thus far. <laughs> so, my new Bible. Yeah, it's got some brown pages. It looks real worn. It doesn't look new anymore. But anyway, there's my trials. And I'm sure you've had some, but not that severe. No, I'm just kidding. Oh, God is so good. And uh, we're gonna, we've been teaching on, on Sunday nights for many months on a variety of basic Bible doctrines, the doctrines of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the doctrine of the Scripture. We spent about four or five weeks on why we use the Bible that we use. Our last doctrine was the doctrine of angels and about the good angels and the bad angels and, and spiritual warfare. And tonight we're going to be beginning introducing uh, the next subject, which will have to do with the doctrine of last things or the doctrine of end times and uh, we're, we're going to start that study tonight so let's stand together and we're going to read one verse and, and then we're going to have prayer and we'll come back to this passage a couple of times probably tonight second timothy chapter three in verse one says this know also that in the last days Perilous times shall come. So when people talk about the last days, it's not just a you know, casual conversation, terminology, you know, religious uh, lingo. It's the Bible term, the last days. And that's really what eschatology is. It's the study of the last times. And so let's pray and ask God to help us as we begin. Lord, we thank you for the Sunday night service. Thank you for... Lord, how my heart has been helped and, and my uh, spirit has been helped uh, this evening by the singing and by just worshiping you and just being reminded of your goodness and, and sincerely asking you, Lord, to search us and just praising you as the immortal, invisible God, the Almighty that you are. And Lord, we thank you for these things. Lord, I'm just glad I can be here. Thank you for our folks 
being here and our guests. We pray that you would bless tonight as we study, open our eyes and our hearts and our minds to your truth. And we'll thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. The word, you know, these, these words for these doctrines are, seem pretty um, um, technical, really. Uh, intellectual, maybe. Theological, for sure. But where do we get the word eschatology? If you look at this verse here in chapter 3 and verse 1 of 2 Timothy... It says this though also in the last days. The word that's translated last, the Greek word is eschatos. And it, has, and it means last. And it, so the word eschatology, the last part of that word eschatology, logi, is, it sounds like, and we're, no, we're not Greek scholars, none of us that I know of, but it sounds like logos. And logos is a word, Greek word for word. In the, in the beginning was the Logos, in the beginning was the Word. So eschatology is the words having to do with the last times, the study of the last things, the last times. The phrases, uh, either last time or last days, we're not going to get all of them, but they're found in a number of places. And I want to just look in the, in the beginning, and we can leave 2 Timothy 3, and like I said, we'll be back there. But go, to the, go toward the back of the Bible to uh, 2 Peter and in 2 Peter chapter 3, um, so, so Paul writing to Timothy used that phrase, uh, last times and uh, last days, I should say. In 2 Peter chapter 3, Peter uses a similar phrase in verse 3. Knowing this first, we're in 2 Peter 3, 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days, there it is again. There shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, this is what the scoffers are saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Now that's a foolish thing to say that all things continue as they were, because that's not true. But their scoffers are saying, where is the promise of his coming? You know, I've been, you know, I've been saved for you know, decades, and I can remember preaching when I was a brand new Christian on the fact that Jesus could come at any moment. And I still hear preaching, right? And I still preach that because the Bible tells us to preach that. And so, but again, here's that Peter refers to the last, uh, the last days. And then go to the right a little further from that to Jude, the little book of Jude, verse 17, but beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. Joseph, Jude says, remember what the apostles preached and taught, how that they told you there shall be mockers in the last time who shall walk after their own ungodly lusts. So all these references refer to this subject, last days last time and so we're just going to revisit this subject over the next few weeks uh, back in 2015 uh, we did a series on this subject and this will not be as detailed a series uh, that was on a Sunday morning but we're going to talk about important what we call major events uh, for instance the rapture of the saints that's a that's to be the next major event on uh, God's timetable, because that begins the that begins the process of everything else unfolding. 
Um, and, then, and then while those of us who are saved and are taken out of this world to go to heaven, we will be at the judgment seat of Christ. We'll talk about that some. The choir sang about that today. The judgment seat of Christ. A very sobering thing to think about. And we'll, then we'll talk about the great tribulation that will take place while we're in heaven. Seven years of tribulation that Jesus said was unlike anything that's ever happened in the world. And then about the return of Christ after the great tribulation and the battle of Armageddon and the thousand year reign of Christ and then the great white throne judgment for all the unbelievers who've rejected Christ. So we're going to cover all those subjects, very important subjects and um, things that matter to all of us. I think this subject is a very important subject because it's one, to me it's one of the most um, motivating subjects to think about is the fact that this is not all there is. There's a whole other God is up to something and we're going to leave this world one day and it keeps our focus on eternal things. He could come at any moment. And so uh, we're going to talk about that, all those subjects. But tonight I just want to sort of set the stage for that. I want to just generally talk about this subject of the last days. And one of the things I think it's good to know and be refreshed about and remember is when the last days begin. Now there's different opinion about this. There's other opinions and then there's my opinion, which is the truth. There's different opinions about this. But I want to look at a couple of verses that speak to this. When, when do these last days, when do they begin? First of all, let's go to the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 2, the setting, as you're turning there, Acts chapter 2 is the day of Pentecost. Uh, Jesus has suffered on the cross. He's ascended into heaven. There have been a 10-day waiting period when the disciples are praying. And in the outpouring, the promised outpouring of the Spirit of God uh, in Acts chapter 2. And when the Spirit of God was poured out in a mighty way on the day of Pentecost, uh, people from all over the known world, really, Jews from every place were coming to, to Jerusalem to worship. And then this great event, they were hearing the gospel in their own language. It was a miracle. These miraculous uh, uh, languages, the giving of this language, and that's what these tongues were, was people hearing in in their language, and, uh, and they begin to ask, what does this mean? Look in verse 12 of Acts chapter 2. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? And some in verse 13 just said they'd been uh, drinking. They'd had too much to drink. What, what does this mean, this, what's taking place? And so Peter stood up in verse 14 and gave them an answer. And look in verse 16, he says, but this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And he's going to give a recital basically of Joel's prophecy, the second chapter of Joel. And here's what he said about what was transpiring. And it shall come to pass in the what? Last days. It'll come to pass in the last days. And that's, if you were to turn to Joel chapter 2, you'll see these words. It'll come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaids I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. So according to that passage, 
what happened on the day of Pentecost was a fulfillment of last days. Right? Right? That was, that was the last... He said, this, this is what's going to happen in the last days. And so the last days, in my estimation, began in that, really in that gospel era, in the, in the birth of uh, the church during Jesus' ministry, the empowering of the church on the day of Pentecost. And if you read a little further, look in uh, verse 19. We stopped reading in 18. Verse 19 says, And I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord come. Now those things right there are also last days or end times prophecies. And and John saw that in Revelation chapter 6. John recorded this about about that great and notable day of the Lord when the sun is turned into darkness, the moon into blood. So that's also last day. So the last days, by the way, that's Revelation 6. That's what took my cup of coffee, in case you're interested. <laughs> almost, to make, almost enough to make a man quit drinking coffee, but not nearly enough. So, so this last days, this prophecy right here from Joel of last days includes the outpouring of the Spirit, on Pentecost, it includes the Revelation chapter 6. I think that was the um, sixth seal. And then also look in the next verse, 21. And it shall come to pass that whosoever, this is part of Joel's prophecy, that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When does that refer to? Right now, right? So according to this, all this has to do with present day. The, day, the days of the apostles, now, and the future. All that's the last days. Another place, go to Hebrews for a moment. Hebrews, the first chapter, and the first couple of verses. We're talking about when do the last days begin. Hebrews chapter 1 and verse 1. God God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son whom he hath appointed heir of all things by whom also he made the worlds. I go to the right a little bit further to 1 John near the end of the New Testament. 1 John chapter 2. See what John said about when the last days would take place. 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18. Little children, it is the last time. It is the last time. And as you have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists whereby we know that it is the last time. So, when, is, when did John say? John said the last time's right now. We know it's the last time. So, so it's not just something that's going to happen in the future and from now. We're in that time. We're in, according to what I understand in the Bible, 
we're living in the last days. John was living in the last days. We're living in the last days. I believe the last days, I said, begin in the gospel era. And the church time, the church age, the day of Pentecost. And it will take place of these unfolding events. Now, that seems, that seems to me that some people might think then, well, then why are we all, you know, why should we all be so uh, anticipating so much anticipating the last days if we're living in the last days because the next major event in the last days is the coming of Christ and the we we, we call it the imminent return of Christ that means it could happen at any moment now we don't always live let's be honest we don't always live like we believe it could happen at any moment because if we did we may not do some of the things we do or fail to do some of the things we fail to do or, or say some things we shouldn't say because living, no, living, think about this young person. If you really believed, I mean, let's just, you know, use your imagination. If you really believed that within five minutes you would be out of this world and standing in the presence of Jesus, that would change the way you live. Right? Every honest person would have to say that. It would change the way we live. And that's why we need to think about the imminent return of Christ because the apostles, this seems like a conflict. And I think that's why Peter wrote about this that people have been saying for a long time, talking about the promise of his coming. People don't understand that this, this matter of believing that he could come at any moment. But the apostles believe that. Paul believed that. Go to Romans uh, for a moment. Romans chapter 13. And we'll look at a few examples of this. Romans chapter 13 and verse 11. <clears throat> Paul writing. Says, and that knowing the time. That now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. Now that salvation is not talking about the new birth, our salvation being born again. It's talking about Jesus coming back. And you say, how do you know that? Well, let's look at the next verse. The day is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The day is at hand. The, the night is far spent. In other words, it... Uh, Paul felt like we ought to live like this is the end. Every day we ought to live like this could be the last day we have. The imminent return of Christ. The time is far spent. And that's taught throughout the New Testament. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. We'll look at a couple other examples of this. Hebrews chapter 10. And this is a passage that we hear or quote or refer to uh, fairly often. But Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 24 says, well, let's read verse 23. That's where the sentence begins. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and notice this, and so much the more 
as you see the day approaching. Now, what day is it talking about? It's talking about the day of the Lord coming back. And, and you know what he says? We, we ought to be able to see the day approaching. We don't know. No man knows the day or the hour. But there are things in our world and the things that we see, the things that God promised, the things we're going to talk about, that those things tell us that we're just getting closer and closer. And if any generation should, should believe that, this generation should believe that. Uh, go a little further to the right, to 1 Peter chapter 4. Again, talking about the coming of Christ being imminent. 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 7. Peter writes, But the end of all things is at hand. Isn't that good? He said we, it could happen at any moment. The end of all things is at hand. And so what does he say we should do? Be therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Be ready. Okay, you're in Peter. Go to the left just a little bit. A couple of pages to James chapter 5. In verse 7. Be patient therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth. For the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until he received the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your heart for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. 2,000 years ago, James said, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Nigh means it's close. And it is close. I mean, Jesus came basically... After 4,000 years of human history, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus came to this earth, 6,000 years. And I, I think about this from time to time. The Bible says that uh, with the Lord, a day is a 1,000 years, and a 1,000 years is a day. And if we've had 6,000 years, that means six days are behind us. 1,000 years, that's the 1,000-year reign of Christ, the Sabbath year. I'm just thinking, we're, I think we ought to live like it could happen any day. Right? The imminent return of Christ. We're living in the last days. So as we think about the last days, it's, that, it's this present age. This present age that began really with the incarnation, the coming of Christ. But the countdown is coming up. And the next major event is the return of Christ. And, and we're, to, we're to see that day approaching. That's why we have so much in the Bible about it. And that's why I wanted to just kind of introduce the subject tonight. Go to Matthew chapter 24, that famous chapter. And I'm not going to read the whole chapter. But so much of it deals with both returns of Christ. The time he'll come and take us out of here. He won't come to this earth. We'll... Meet the Lord in the air, but that is the Lord coming back. And then the other return when he'll come bodily, physically to the earth. And that's at the end of the tribulation period. And he refers to both of these events in Matthew chapter 24. But in this chapter, look in verse 3 where he's, he's sitting upon the Mount of Olives, just on the eastern slope of the, sea of, of the city of Jerusalem outside the eastern gate. They sat upon the Mount of Olives. The disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be? And what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? I'm so glad they asked him that question. 
because he answered it. And we're not going to read all of this, but he gives us so many indicators, so many characteristics to look for, to observe, things that are associated with his return. And when you read it, um, let's just read a little bit of it. Look in verse 6. You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilences and coronaviruses and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted. This is talking about persecution. And shall kill you. And you should be hated of all nations for my name's sake. National persecution. We're all nations, international persecution. And this shall many be offended and shall betray one another, shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. And this is talking about global con conflicts, global wars, and just a preponderance of false religions and natural disasters, earthquakes. And hurricanes and typhoons. Those things aren't caused by global warming. They're just a part of the time that we're in. Religious persecution, we don't know anything about that, do we? But I'm convinced that we, somebody will. We will. In this country, I think we will. All, I think all nations, you'll be spoken evil about by all nations, the Bible says. And, I th and it could be we're really on the threshold of some of that, even today. An explosion of wickedness, verse 12 talks about. Iniquity just abounding. We say it often, but it's true. It's, uh, it's the day we live in. Verse 14, we didn't read that, but it just talks about the gospel being preached internationally. This gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. That's the, that's, Jesus said you ought to look at these things. Jesus is the one that said this. You ought to look at these things. These things matter. Now, we were in 2 Timothy, and I want to go back there if we could. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And we look, we've read these so many times over the years, and sometimes I think we've uh, said them so often that we don't even hear them anymore. But this is such a, this is such a great list. You can just take, your, take this list in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and you read it, and you can just check off each one. Yep, that's us, that's us, that's us. Verse 1 says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Just self Love, covetous, boasters, proud, just arrogance, blasphemers, no respect for God, godless, disobedient to parents, ungrateful or unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, they can't tell the truth, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, You know, when, when I hear more and more in the news about people on the street being beheaded, having, being decapitated, I'm telling you, that's fierce. That's not normal violence. That's wicked, evil, demonic. 
violence. Verse 3, despisers of those that are good. In In my youth, in my childhood, people that were good were respected and people that were evil were were despised. The whole thing's been flipped over now. People that are good are despised and people that are evil are honored. Jesus said it'd be that way. Traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. I, I, when I read that, I think about a, an addiction to entertainment, just loving pleasure, living for sports, living for You know, I think that's one good thing. I've said this before, but I want to say it again. I think that's one good thing that's come out of all this stuff is professional sports has really taken a dive. And I think it needs to take a dive. I haven't watched a play of football or baseball or any of that stuff. You know why? Because I I think that's one of the gods of America is sports. And people love that more than they love God. Nothing wrong with entertainment or nothing wrong with exercise but I'm telling you we need to ha- we need to have a, a real check sometimes in our individual lives and in our families how much do sports mean to us lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God having a form of godliness this is just religion but denying the power thereof powerless religion spiritual darkness so this is the world that Jesus said would would be, would be, um, the world would be like in, as we look forward to the coming of the Lord. And um, there's much to be said about this. I preached a lot about the apostasy, and I'm not going to get into that tonight. But 2 Thessalonians says there, it, he won't come until there's a falling away. Of, and that's a, a falling away is a turning from the faith. And Paul talked about this in 2 Timothy chapter 4 when he says that they would reject the truth. They'll t- heap to themselves te- teachers having itching ears, but, but they'll reject the truth. That's the day, I believe that's in, in many ways the day that we live in. And you know where that's going to lead up to? And I'm not saying tomorrow or the next day, but eventually that's going to lead up to Revelation 17 and a, worldwide, a one world church and the great whore that uh, John talks about in Revelation chapter 17. A, a worldwide apostasy and rejection of God. And, and we're just on the, we're just, we're just seeing it take place. We're just watching this take place before us. And, and that's, you know, you could say, well, I'm glad you're watching it. We ought to all be watching it. The Bible wasn't written just to preachers. It was written to believers. All of us, ought, young people, you ought to be looking at this and saying, you know, the world is changing before my very eyes. A, a lack of regard for God and truth and, and for godliness and, and, and honoring the Lord and a lack of respect for the things of God and this apostasy. People, it's amazing to me. It is amazing to me how many people will believe something that's not even in the Bible. You know why? It's because this blindness, this darkness, this deception that, that the Bible says is going to happen. Jesus said it'd be like, Jesus said this. It'd be like it was in the days of Noah. Right? Jesus said that. And people are eating and drinking and getting married and having fun and living life. And, and, and Noah's, Noah, according to Peter, was a preacher of righteousness. No doubt he's telling people, you need to repent, you need to turn to God, God's going to judge the world. What did they do? They just kept on living their life and enjoying their life until 
the flood came. Right? It's going to be like that. That's what it's going to be like. Jesus also said it would be like it was in the days of Lot. Right? Wicked world, perversion, immorality. That's, the word, that's what it would be like. And young people, you may think, you may be inclined to think, well, it's not all that bad. It may not be all that bad in some people's mind, but it's all that bad in God's mind. It's evil. God, God judged Sodom and Gomorrah for their wickedness. It's going to be like it was. And one of these days, God's going to say enough is enough. Right? That's what's going to happen. So these, con- these conditions are going to continue. And I, I'm not a pessimist, but I just believe that the Bible teaches this. They're going to continue. They're going to continue to get worse and worse. Worser and worser. And it's going to take and it's going to continue right up until, according to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, he that letteth will let. He, you know what's restraining evil today? What's restraining evil is not legislation. What's really restraining evil is the fact that there's a godly remnant, a bunch of godly people in the world. But I'm telling you, when, they, when they're removed, in an instant of time, when they're removed, you watch how, you won't watch, you'll watch from above maybe if we can see how wickedness will just like a tidal wave take over this. By the way, if it, and it, wasn't, if it wasn't for conservative, Bible-believing, godly people, it would already be taking us over. One of these days we're going to be taken out. And then it's, this, this is going to continue through the great tribulation. And it'll culminate in the battle of Armageddon when the king comes. That's going to be wonderful, isn't it? And we know we'll see that. Jesus said this about these times. In Revelation 24 and verse 8. All these things, we're just talking, all these. Now think about this. All these are the beginning of sorrows. And I like to look at words, but if you'll take that word, look it up in a concordance, look up in a Bible dictionary, the word translated as sorrow, the word, here's the definition it'll give you, some form of this definition. Pain as in childbirth. Jesus said all these things are like birth pains. And and what do we know about birth pains? I don't know much about them. I just know what I've seen and heard. I think it's a cakewalk, actually. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Amanda doesn't think that's very funny. (laughs) What, what, I hate to to do this to Amanda, but I'm going to do it anyway. What mother-to-be, what, child, what mother with child who begins to ex- experience uh, contractions or birth pains, what mother that felt, first felt a birth pain said this, man, this is going to be easy. I know it's not going to get any worse, Right? No, you know what they do? Close your ears, Amanda. This is before epidurals. (laughs) This is what they do. They get more severe and they get more frequent. Right? Until they say, you know, you're ready. 
when they're really frequent and really severe, you're, this, is, this baby is about to come. Jesus said about all these things, about false prophets, about natural disasters, about blasphemy. Jesus said this about those things. These are the beginning of birth pains. They're beginning of sorrows. You know what's going to happen? They're just going to keep getting more severe and more frequent, according to the Bible. That's the way I understand the Bible. Last days, people turning away from the truth. You know, you and I, many of us, have thought about this this year in the world that we live in, in the way things have transpired this pandemic, and I know that it's been politicized, and I know that there's much that have been said about it that's not substantiated, but it's real. It's real. And lots and lots and lots of people have had it, and many of them severely, it's taken many lives. Um, but you know what? Those kind of things are going to happen. But, it, but that's not the only thing we've witnessed. We've watched the ability of the media and the global community to manipulate people and influence people. And it's just been incredible to behold. False messaging that's dictating policy, and you can't believe a lot of it. And a lot of it, where, where, have, we, where have our people been getting much of their information? From the World Health Organization, global you know, health experts, the experts. We're going to listen to the experts. And I'm just saying, all, and, and the loss of personal liberty, and I'm not, this is not a political speech. I'm just saying, when I think about these things, how, how in a moment of time, when I go back to when it first began, and within a matter of a few days, you can't assemble in groups of more than five, and then ten, and and all of us, and everybody just falls in line, you know. And we couldn't figure it out. We, I think, I think as a whole, we know a lot more about it now. We know how to deal with it more and pr protect the vulnerable. I'm not saying, I'm not saying it's not serious. I know it's serious. But, but the thing that concerns you is, if they can control us that much, what really? And you know what? All that is is, it's, I think it's just leading up to, of what's going to happen in the world to come. Loss of personal liberty. Uh, a, a guy that, um, that I played football with when I was in high school uh, was a few years ago. I haven't seen him in 40 years, more than 40 years. But uh, he, I see him on Facebook sometimes. And he put this on Facebook yesterday. What if 2020 is just now beginning. In other words, what if the craziness that we've been living in since March is really just about to unfold? Now, I'm not saying it is, but, but you know what? It could be. It could be. And, 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 and I think I'm, I'm really preaching to the choir in a sense, but I think especially young people need to think about this. I, I, more and more I feel like the world that we have known and loved and lived in throughout my entire lifetime may 
become a thing of the past altogether. And I want to give you one of the reasons why I believe that. Because if you read prophecy and you read about the, and we'll talk about this in the future, you read about the confederation of nations that will produce the Antichrist and the one world ruler, one thing that's absent from all of that uh, theology, one thing that's absent in the Bible is a, is a world-dominating, uh, conservative United States of America. It does not exist. Something's going to happen to this country to, to, to either bring us to a place of weakness, to a place that we don't have the influence in the world, or a place where we, where we as a country turn against Israel and line up with the anti-Israel confederation that's coming. I'm just telling you, the world that we're living in right now and have been living in is not in there. It's not in there. And so what all these things say, should say to us is we need to recognize what is happening before us. And what, what did, did Jesus give us any insight? I'm going to go to one last passage. Go with me with please, to Matthew chapter 24. And this is found in numerous places. We'll just use this one. But you know what Jesus said? Jesus said, you need to be get ready. You need to get ready. And you don't just need to get ready, you need to stay ready. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 42. Well, let's back up a little further. Look in verse 36. But of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Matthew 24, 37. But as the days of Noe were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, now notice this, what Jesus said. For as in the days that were before the flood... Matthew 24, 38. They were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came, notice this, and took them all away. They didn't even know what was happening. They'd been told what was happening, but they didn't listen. And took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Then shall two be in the field, the one shall be taken, the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Here's the advice. Watch therefore. Watch. Be on the alert. Be ready. For you know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this. That if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered his house to be broken up. If you knew, if you knew the thief was coming in at 3 a.m., you'd be ready, right? If he has a gun, you'll shoot him in the leg. You'd be ready. If you knew when he was coming. So he says, watch. Verse 44, Therefore be ye also ready, for in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. Be ready. Be prepared. Be alert. 
You know, anybody that is in the military understands what it means to be in a state of readiness. To, in other words, you could be called upon at any moment. You have to be ready. You have to be prepared. It's a challenge to stay ready. It's one thing to get ready. It's a challenge to stay ready. But Jesus said, be ready. You say, well, I don't really think he's coming. Well, that's a good, maybe that means he is coming. Because in such an hour as you think not, the Son of Man cometh. We have to keep our focus. We ought to be thinking like this. And one of the, you know, I think it's, I think it's good to think like this. I think it's, I go back to that subject of the judgment seat of Christ. To me, that's one of the most um, important and practical, motivating factors in our Christian life that we're going to stand before the Lord one day. We're going to give an account to Him for the way we're living our lives. We ought to live like this. We ought to stay on top of this. We're not going to let ourselves, you know, you know what people do? They say, well, He's not going to come now. It won't matter. That, that kind of thinking gets you in trouble. That kind of thinking causes us to um, compromise our spiritual, our spiritual life. So, As we begin this study, let's just think about the, what Jesus said. When you see these things happening, when, when, when you know that these are things Jesus said himself would be indicative of the generation, then Jesus said, be ready. You say, what if I live my whole life ready and then I just die without him coming? Then you'll be glad you were ready, right? Nobody's going to ever say, oh, man, I blew it. I lived my whole life thinking he was going to come, and I just, I could have just, no, you'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Would you think about that tonight in your own life? I know how young people think. I used to be one. Well, I've got plenty of time. I'll get serious about this stuff later. That is a foolish way to think. Foolish. Jesus said this. Don't say, well, you, you don't have the right. No, Jesus said this. Be ready. When you walk out that door tonight, you ought to be walking out saying, I am ready for him to come right now. Amen? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Are you ready? I've always thought it would be an interesting thing. It would be a wonderful thing. It's going to happen to somebody. There's somebody somewhere in the world, one of these days, are going to say, are you ready? And at that moment, people are going to disappear because God's going to take them. Are you ready for that? Do you know you're saved? Do you know you've been born again? I mean, do you really know you have a relationship with God? And even as Christians, are you ready? Are, you, are we living as though He could come at any moment? I hope you'll think about that. Our Father, we thank You for the...